Welcome to the Gay Buddhist Forum, where teachers from all schools of Buddhism offer their perspectives on the Dharma and its application in modern times, especially for LGBTQI audiences. These talks are offered freely to the world and made possible by appreciative listeners. If you would like to support our efforts to share the Dharma with underserved audiences, please visit gaybuddhist.org. There you can donate, find a list of upcoming speakers, or enjoy many hundreds of these recorded talks dating back to 1996. So welcome everyone. Um, our uh, teacher today, who is Amida Carey, um, Amida directs the retreat guide training and retreat concentration of the Inayataya Inner School of North America. She supports a network of retreat guides and oversees training for those interested in becoming retreat guides. A primary focus is encouraging retreatants to enter deeply into the transformative process. Amida has immersed herself in the study of the ancient art of alchemy and the Sufi retreat process with Pir Zia and Pir Vilayat Inayat Khan and has taken and guided many retreats. She worked closely with Pir Vilayat and developed and published his curriculum. Amida helped Pir Zia found the Suluk Academy and served as a mentor and teacher within it. Currently, she lives in New Mexico, where she is exploring the path of light and rewilding a small patch of land in her environments. Welcome, Amida. Turn it over to you. Thank you, Cass. Thank you for that uh, kind introduction. And thank you to all of you for being here, particularly Bharat, my dear friend Bharat, who um, arranged for this months ago. So I'm happy to be with you and your fellowship and um, delight in uh, knowing you. I would love to know more about the retreat process that many of you undoubtedly have taken. But I'm here to share with you my experiences. So that, I guess, we'll have to wait for another time. So in the introduction... Cass could as easily have introduced me as someone who loves to dialogue with the mystery in the heavenly skies, as someone who seeks to commune with nature, as someone who loves to um, learn and um, listen, and those three orientations are really more about my inner self and less about all that that I'm doing outside. So the topic that I've chosen to share with you is the inner life, because for me, that is the the heart of the retreat process. And in this um, alchemical retreat that I'm studying and sharing with others and uh, entering into myself. There are stages of development and uh, process, which I'm sure you're familiar with. They begin 
and end with breath, which we'll share in a moment, and purification. So the purification is not only purification of the body or of the mind and of the heart and of the essence of our being, which we might call the soul, but is also a purification of our identity, who we conceive ourselves to be. And that is um, something that brings us into a mystery, um, a deep and abiding mystery that we could call transcendence or imminence because it has both characteristics within it. But then from that place of purification and encounter with the mystery, we seek to know ourself. So not just our outer story, but our inner story. What, what is meaningful to us? What brought us to our Dharma? And so for me, there were things like looking at the stars at night as a child and experiencing the transfiguration and transformation of the Catholic Mass, and then losing all of that and finding myself anew as I listened to the call to prayer. And then again, through the encounter with the Sufis and their ecstatic dance and meditations, and finally into this retreat process that I love so much and love to share. So ultimately, in these explorations of stages in the retreat process, we land on coming back fully embodied into life, unifying what is outside with what is inside, and always allowing it to grow, to change, to be new. So as I said, I'm sure that is something that you are familiar with. So for a moment, let's just take this question, what is the inner life? And reflect upon it, each of ourselves. Now, as we do so, I'll read just a few quotes from um, the Sufi sage Hazrat Anayat Khan. He says, the inner life sheds further light in our journey of seeking and finding, going on and on in an upward spiral, crowning one's life with ever-growing insights and overwhelming views. The inner life is not separate from the outer life, nor does it require leaving the world, renouncing all pleasures and comforts. It is the enrichment of life with qualities that will last, with a source of energy and love, 
which is truly one's own and permanently available if we but know how to access it. So in the retreat process, there are what we call four pillars, and these help us access or open the doorway to the inner world. So the first is silence, which we shared earlier. And another is fasting, and that is fasting not only from food, but from needs of any kind, entertainment or journaling or so forth. And then another is solitude. So sometimes we take retreats in groups, and yet each of us is engaged in our own practice, perhaps like earlier this morning when we were sitting in silence. And also there are the times when we take retreats individually, which are challenging, more challenging, because there isn't the group support um, and that group energy to support us. But there is an inner energy and uh, presence from the guide, the person who is um, overseeing our process. And then the fourth one is watchfulness. What arises as we sit and as we contemplate? Now, I think these four pillars are probably very familiar to you in your own contemplative practice. What the Sufis add that might be um, different, I'm not sure, but it's a significant part of um, the inner life in the Sufi world, and that is the creative imagination. So creative imagination is an aspect of mind in our teaching, one that um, follows just naturally after interpreting sensations, experiencing memory, and then conjoining them in something that is familiar to our creative imagination. Let's say the sun. You know, when we say the word the sun, we can kind of picture the sun in our mind's eye. But then the creative part of it is in expanding from that initial inner memory and selecting, let's say, aspects of what we're representing or we choose to represent, uh, like for the sun, it might be radiance and mastery and majesty or the giving of life. All of these um, qualities that I find in the sun and um, and establishing a resonance with them in my heart. So in order for me to be able to discern what is a quality of an object or a person, a life being before me, there's something in me that recognizes it. So that is the first part of establishing 
a kind of sympathetic resonance which expands our life circle. So the creative imagination is extremely important in um, in Sufism. And I'd like to read another short passage from Inayat Khan, who says, Delving into the light of the inner life, we are able to attain happiness, power, knowledge, life, and peace within oneself, independent of all things outside, perhaps prompted by things from outside, but ultimately when we claim them as our own, they become ours and they're not dependent on, let's say, outer peace. If we have peace in our being and we go into a gathering, it's possible that we can bring that vibration of peace into that gathering. And it's also possible that in very challenging circumstances, it will wobble or it will crack or it will fail and we will find ourselves back into a kind of um, reactivity that is not holding a peace, a peacefulness that we know within ourselves. So we retreat and then we reconnect and we come back until finally or ongoingly, perhaps is better said, that peace holds in ourself despite these challenging circumstances. And there's another aspect of this um, working with the creative imagination, and uh, that is in beholding beauty outside of ourselves. So, for instance, in this example, uh, well, it could be the fragility of a flower, the flow of a stream, the steadfastness of the mountains, the uprightness of the trees. So I'm linking here an attribute that I see and I can respect. In fact, I can glorify praise in beings around me. And I can look at human beings in a very similar way. I can say, oh, how kind that person is, or how strong of heart that person is. And in identifying that, then bringing it closer into my own being. And Inayat Khan says this, collect what is beautiful and good and add it naturally to your character. One doesn't need to make an effort to build it in one only needs to forget oneself and continue to praise the beauty and the good before one. So that is, um, let's say, a Sufi practice that I aspire to. Can't always hold, but with lots of practice, have been able to remember. So I'd like to share with you how this works for me in practice.
And if you are willing, we'll begin with the breath. And you can breathe with eyes open or eyes closed. And if they're open, you might offset the glance or just lower the gaze. And begin maybe with an exhalation. or two, extended, and a natural inhalation to respond. And in doing so, find the swing of the breath from the outside to the inside. And there are ways to do this, one of which is to focus on the nostrils, how the breath comes in, passes the throat, travels to the trachea and into the lungs, where the Essential ingredient of oxygen is picked up by the blood, travels all throughout the body. And then back in conjunction with the heart into the lungs that we exhale, all that we don't need, our body can't use. And as we do this, we recognize that the breath that we breathe, the air that we breathe is part of the earth atmosphere. And it's comprised of the molecules of breath of all air-breathing beings who have lived before us. And that our breath, as we Exhale in rapport with the the fauna around us, the flora around us, will comprise the air that future beings will breathe. And of course, not only what is natural, but what we have through our industry placed into the air. But in our um, meditation this morning, let us focus on the beautiful and the good. And bringing the breath, which is both collective and individual, into our physical heart. You know, we can place it anywhere in the body, sore muscle for healing, a shoulder that needs relaxing. We can take it to a subtle center in the belly or in the base of the spine for grounding. We're in the third eye or the crown, or in the heart, in the center of the chest, the expanded heart, 
But right now, let's listen within and connect to our physical heart. Can we feel and even perhaps hear the beat of the heart? Or the pulse of the blood as it circulates in the body? And how does it make us feel to connect to our our own heart? Now, in seeking to expand both the scope of the breath and the feelings in the heart, we might consider those we love. And so let those beings, those objects, those concerns for the world, that which pulls your heart, allow it to pull it open. Not a should, but what stands before your heart, what pulls your heart open. Now, the living heart, of course, feels a heart of stone can't feel, but the living tissue of a heart has feelings. And Sometimes those feelings are painful. And so the challenge with the pain that comes into the heart 
is to stay present to it. And allow it to open the heart. Without closing the heart down or becoming numb. And it's often been said by psychotherapists that if we stay present to what is in our heart, particularly the pain that we may feel in our heart, something can be revealed to us about its source or its origin that we may not know, but that will help us to Abide. And so often I have heard people come into meditative practice through a broken heart, a heart that has burst outside of the smallness of itself but is looking to grow with consciousness as well as with feeling. And so here is where I, uh, one one place in my own inner world and creative imagination, I return to the thought of the experience of illuminating my heart. So what does that mean, to illuminate my heart? Well, certainly to bring conscious awareness to what I'm feeling And to be present to it without judgment, perhaps with tears, but without condemnation, criticism, or confusion. And so for me, the confusion can be illuminated by bringing light into my heart, into my feelings. Light in the sense of buoyancy and in the sense of radiance, like the radiance from the sun. And so if I'm able to bring that light forth from the inner resourcefulness of my being, well, that's wonderful. And if I need a little supportive help, I go out into the sunshine. So that is where I find a beneficent light that can flood my being and remind me 
of the purity that exists within the essence of all being. Now, those are words that I use, but it's important for me in this contemplative inquiry to develop a language so that I know how to have this inner dialogue within myself, but also how to seek support from the world around me so I might consider those um, natural beauties I spoke of earlier and really look to see what attribute or quality I might see in them to take into my heart to support me in a particular way. And so in that way, I'm opening a channel between the, what we might call the outer life and the inner life. And I'm also opening a channel from what I might view as my personal need, my self, my inner self, and the world around me as it exists in the greater reality. Because we experience these archetypal qualities in the particularity of our being. So it's been said, for instance, how do we know justice? We know we yearn for justice, but how is it we came to know justice? Well, one way is to recognize that in action in people, just people, we know justice by just people like we know um, roseness from the rose or sweetness from the taste or a smile or a gift. We know that archetypal principle. And so as we see them in others, we call them forth in our own being. So let us turn to uh, this one quality of light to bring light into the heart. To enlighten the heart, to allow it to be buoyant and free. And so in our mind's eye, we may hold an image of a sunrise and how we may be seeking across the horizon 
where that light of the first ray of the sun may appear, scanning the horizon back and forth. And perhaps you've experienced this. Undoubtedly, you've experienced this. And then even though we know not to look into the sun when that first ray pierces the environment, raising itself above the horizon, we can't help but notice it even as we begin to avert our eyes and see in that that liquid gold light of the sun and how with the breath we can consciously draw it in along this channel to our heart and exhale and again look into the mind's eye, the brightness of the sun and bring it forth again into our being, maybe with a a prayer, a call to create in our heart that radiance that may pour forth into our relationships like the sun is blessing us now. So we can breathe for a few moments, letting the swing of the breath bring that light of the sun into our heart. And not only that light, but our all that we associate with it. And I have a photograph. This is a photograph I took as the sun was rising over the horizon of the Gulf of Mexico. And I don't think I looked into the sun, but from that time I've noticed just exactly what I notice when the sun rises here in New Mexico. There's that white gold flash and then that overwhelming radiance of the sun that causes me to turn my eyes another way. So staying present to the feeling in the heart, inviting the light of the sun into the heart. We might say in our mind something like, in the light of the sun, I discover thy divine light. In the light of the sun, as we inhale the light of the sun, and as we exhale, I discover Thy divine light, who is the one that causes the sun to shine? So I'm going to stop the share now and um, ask us to come back into 
our present moment of our shared fellowship and take enough time that it feels natural for you to do so without um, leaving any of the goodness or the beauty for what we could do with that goodness and beauty is dedicated to those beings that we care about or the situations that are where people are struggling into the world. And then for any obstacle or difficulty that we experienced to remove that from the path of the others who may be walking this inner road, this inner journey. So I'd like to conclude with this poem from uh, Jalaluddin Rumi that is expressed in Coleman Barks' voice. Rumi says, We are brought delicious desserts, and we rarely refuse them. We worship devoutly when we're with others. Hours we sit. Though we get up rather quickly after a few minutes when we pray alone. Then we hurry down the gullet of our wantings. But these qualities can change as minerals in the ground rise inside trees and become tree. As a plant faces an animal and enters the animal, so a human can put down heavy baggage and become light. So I'm going to pause here and ask um, in the ensuing silence if there are any thoughts or questions anyone would like to share. I'd love to take the time to get to know each one of you I'd like for these last few minutes to be an opportunity to get to know you better. Uh, Jeff has his hand raised here. Hi, <clears throat> Thank you uh, for an incredible talk. I, um, you know, I've really come to appreciate uh, ways and methods that we can find look internally. Because, you know, physically, where our senses are looking outward all the time. And uh, that it's so important in our own development uh, to have methods and, and uh, even be aware of our inner world. In India, the city Bhutanaras is built on the Ganges, and the Ganges makes a 90 degree turn away from the bank, goes out, turns 180 degrees, and comes back. 
And they built a temple there to symbolize when a person begins to look inward as this uh, holy moment in uh, our development. And uh, I just feel it's, so it's, it's the mystery. And you know, navigating, as you said, is uh, you know, <laughs> word of the day. Thank you. That's such a beautiful image. Thank you so much for sharing it. Um, how how wonderful to see that without and within. Thank you, Brat. I had a question. You you mentioned four uh, qualities that help us uh, develop um, our inner life um, one like silence solitude fasting something else and I love that you added that you know you included creative imagination um, and I love thank you so much for that explanation of how to use that and bring other qualities into um, developing our internal life uh, so, what was the other the, the the other quality? Watchfulness. Watchfulness. Okay, thank you. The byword. Don't take notes fast enough. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. Creative imagination is. Um, um, you can find it in any of the ancient Sufi's expressions. And so often those expressions are paradoxical or um, koanic or befuddling in a way. There is one uh, from the uh, Sufi al-Halaj uh, who said, The sun of thy divine light has, ridden, has risen above the horizon of my heart, and this day will know no end so it's just something yes beautiful and and worth plumbing like how does that work and what does that mean i love the phrase gullet of our wantings too that you mentioned (laughs) (laughs) it seems to be ever present omnipresent yes indeed Those are those inner tastes, you know, that, that uh, well, we know them from all the desserts that we eat. <laughs> <laughs> well, friends, I know this is the moment of the um, announcements and dedication of merit. So once again, I want to thank you for inviting me. And uh, and uh, I just find the your fellowship, the beauty of looking upon your fellowship. Thank you so much for fantastic talk today, expanding our horizons. Um, So, do we have any announcements? Yes. Sure, I'll start off. I'm close today. There's some goodies out. Citrus, cheese, chocolate. The three C's. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, 
So we uh, uh, tea, hot water for tea. Uh, we have some tea. Just put your cup after you're done in the sink, and I will take care of that. I will also be passing around the Donna bowl. Donna is probably for generosity. The money that you give, uh, that you donate, uh, goes to the rental of this place, the stipends for our Dharma teachers. Um, hopefully, one day we'll resume the uh, monthly uh, uh, dinner that we cook for Lark and Youth Services. And also, most importantly, uh, the newsletter that goes out. Um, most of who, uh, most of the recipients uh, are incarcerated, and if you've ever seen any one of their uh, uh, letters of gratitude, you you will realize the incredible impact uh, uh, the newsletter has in bringing the Dharma to to people in prison. So, so I'll be passing around that bowl, and for those. For our audience at home, <laughs> there's a link. Uh, I think Grisha will be putting up the link for um, our website and there's a donation button there. Gaybuddhist.org, um, a fabulous website. Yeah, a fabulous new website. <laughs> yes, Jeff. Hi, uh, from April 7 to 11 will be a five day summit of. Uh, some wonderful teachers in the tradition of Tibetan children, uh, some Tibetan monks, Tian Zina from uh, sounds sounds what's it called? sounds true, yeah. and uh, you get a free download and a PDF of uh, Pema's uh, core teachings and. Called the Wisdom of Pena Children, a summit of timelessness teachings to awaken the heart. It's recorded, so you can watch it any time of the day, from the seventh through eleventh. And on the eleventh, we're going to have a uh, Zoom group uh, from seven to eight thirty to discuss uh, points that uh, we found interesting or questions. So that will be run by Chris Rusev and myself. SF. Wonderful. Um, we also meet on Wednesday nights. There's online uh, through Zoom at 7.30 um, for anybody who wants to join us then. Um, I want to be respectful of your time, Amiga. Um, would you like to offer a dedication of merit or we could we could use ours? We could use ours. Would you please? I'd love to learn from you. Okay, so if we could gather in a circle. By the power and truth of this practice, may all beings have happiness and the causes of happiness. May all be free from sorrow and the causes of sorrow. May all never be separated from the sacred happiness which is without sorrow. And may all live in equanimity, without too much attachment or too much aversion, believing in the equality of all that lives. Thank you so much. Please come and join us in person. It's, it's great to be back live, live, experiencing each other. Um,
And if anybody is, feels called to service, we could use um, another host or two in our schedule, uh, which involves a commitment of once every two months. Uh, and so just contact me uh, through the through the gate. Well, you could find me. <laughs> Thank you, Amita. Thank you for listening to the Gay Buddhist Forum. If you would like to hear several new talks per month and be notified of upcoming speakers so you can participate live, please subscribe to this podcast, like us on Facebook, and join our mailing list by visiting gaybuddhist.org.